Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Square Ball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In our sweet 16th Square Ball Podcast, we cast our mind back to the Preston game. Did that really happen? We take three points from Wee Gordon Strachan and earn a Leeds legend the sack. And statistics prove that 99% of Luciano Becchio is uh, unbelievable. Hello, listener. Welcome to this Square Ball podcast. And with me, three familiar voices to help us along. Let me welcome Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie. Hello. A couple of things to get out of the way before we get down to business. First up, an apology from us uh, for the lack of a podcast last week. We decided to push it back a week uh, at short notice because it was an international week. And Michael, uh, you were on holiday. Yeah, it's strange that those two things fell in the same week. <laughs> How was your holiday? Have a nice time. Lovely, yeah. yeah Where did yeah, you go? Nice. Where did you go? Tell us about it. Uh, I was up in the in down Spain in the mountains. It was very nice. Yeah. And bless you, you took a laptop with you. I did too. indeed. I was on the Wi-Fi over there, finishing off the magazine to help us finish the latest uh, Square Ball magazine, uh, which leads nicely into that, I guess, as well. Let's tell you about that. There's a brand new edition of the Square Ball magazine that is available now. Uh, it features the interview with Lucas Radabay that we mentioned on one of the previous podcasts, and it's got something of an African theme running throughout. And uh, it's released for the Leicester game. You can also buy it online, either the paper copy or the digital download at thesquareball.net forward slash shop. Uh, your chance to win a copy of the new book, Leeds United, on this day, coming up later on in this podcast. Keep listening for that. In the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, we would like to hear from you. Uh, podcast at thesquareball.net. You can email us. We're also on Facebook, and you can tweet us at thesquareball. First up, then, let's go back to the games that have happened since we last spoke to you, uh, the listener. Well, we can look back at the Preston aberration, first of all, at least through the prism of a good win up at Middlesbrough. That's a, a good starting point. Uh, this uh, particular band of games includes the the four six defeat at home to Preston on Tuesday the twenty eighth of September. Uh, then we had Ipswich away, which we lost two one, of course, followed by the Middlesbrough win as we just mentioned, two uh, one to Leeds on Saturday. Just gone, the Preston defeat not feeling quite as bad now, but still, it was very exciting. Um, Ten goals at home. Um, you can't argue with with that kind of value for what are admittedly expensive tickets, and it was historical. As well, we never conceded six at home before, so anybody who was there, you saw a little piece of Leeds United's history being made. Jim Shaw kept everybody in good good spirits, cheerfulness as they applauded the uh, applauded the twenty two men off the pitch after an exciting game. Parking actually did get uh, clapped off the pitch, which is the first time I've seen that in a lot of years. It was well deserved as well because he got quite a lot of stick for being um, a larger gentleman. He is enormous, <laughs> carrying some timber, shall we say? But yeah, he made us look completely ridiculous. It was such a poor... Quite easily, though. That's a problem. <laughs> it was such a poor quality of game. It was... 
I said at the time, I've not seen a game like that, but I have played in them. That kind of every every goal comes from an error. There's just such a lack of any quality about it. Um, yeah. You played with Andy Hughes. <laughs> well, I wasn't at this game, but I was following the score updates, and as soon as I saw it go four two, I, I accepted that was it. I knew we were, I knew we were going to lose. I just knew. You could tell. I thought this this it's not going to go well. This there was a slow drag of inevitability about the. the goals when they started going into the second half especially after Barnsley because it was like a repeat of that where it doesn't seem like we're set up just to concede a goal if we concede one we'll concede seven um, before anything can, can be done about it um, perhaps seven's overdoing it, maybe we'll do that <laughs> later in the season What Can we can we take anything from this game? Is, is it a, a worrying sign or was it just an aberration? Was it just a one-off, a bit, a bit of a fluke where we had a, another bad day at the office? It's not one-off because it happened to Barnsley, and you saw the same things happening again and again. Do, yeah. you th- do we think it's going to happen again this season at some point, possibly? I think it's one of those things you've almost got to write off because it was that bad from everybody. You can't look at individuals and say, we need to maybe look at changing this or that. Not a single player in the team, maybe Sommer aside, whose job's to score goals, which he did. No one else really did anything good throughout the entire match. <laughs> Although saying that, if we're, we're not looking at individuals I have thought in the um, especially on Saturday against Middlesbrough that having Connolly back at right back seemed to make a big difference just to the defence as a whole in but terms of the shape or I can't or just playing a full back in a full back's position it maybe. could be just as simple as that or it could be just magic voodoo that he, he has a, some kind of men, mental power to, to draw <laughs> everybody else's performances up but yeah it's it, it seemed like just having one one player back kept everybody else from messing up stupidly until Andy Hughes came on the left back. And was there something of a, a hangover, or did did it impact on the Ipswich game? Do we think because um, hopes were pretty low, you know, following such a bad defeat that we'd go to Ipswich, Ipswich and get anything? But were we a little bit unlucky against what is a good Ipswich side? Yeah, I felt actually quite relieved to lose two one after the <laughs> <laughs> having. Seeing how the defence was, um, you know, I think we've, we're, by the sounds of it, we were unlucky. We were looking like we might win it until the sending off, which was probably inevitable with his uh, returning to his old club and everything. But yeah, I suppose it's one of those one of those games that you're not too devastated about losing. They're one of the better sides in this league away from home. We can afford to lose those a bit. It's just losing six four, six four or five two against shit teams. That's the the heartbreaking bit. And to only lose 2-1 as well, there was a kind of going into it with a, a sense of, you couldn't really say what was going to happen. There was a, a more nerves. It could have been a cricket score or it could have been, a, yeah, I know what you mean. But I don't think anybody expected us to win. That was the, the one thing that we ruled out. Um, that was the same after Barnsley, going to Donny, and we thought we could get a thumping again. We sort of steadied the ship after that. Yeah, and, it, and we would have got a draw if it hadn't been for Bruce uh, getting sent off. I think we, we were fine for 1-1. Well, just to sort of flip the the idea on its head, then we know last season they were playing under a massive weight of expectation. Is the lack of expectation maybe in our favour now, and they can bounce back from these defeats a little bit easier? I'm not sure there is a lack of expectation. I mean, they got booed off against Preston, probably yeah, rightly so, and then people me, were talking yeah, about Grayson four, getting sacked. For me, yeah, but for me, four one up and losing six four, you know, I'm not an, an advocate of booing, but you can understand why people oh, would under those circumstances, but. What I'm saying is that there's no expectation for us to go up this season. You know, if we do, it'll be a massive bonus. I think the expectation is sort of a steady mid-table, upper mid-table playoffs, if we're lucky. Mm. And people realise we are going to lose games. 
We're not like the favourites for the division, is what I'm saying. I'm not sure people have realised that. Because <laughs> the response to the Preston game was um, quite hysterical in some quarters. The first caller on them, Radio Bates, after the game, was basically saying that Grayson didn't have a clue and has to go. Yeah, but the, these people who phone these up, and if you're one of them, I make no apologies for saying this, but some of them are basically crackpots um, and probably don't represent a fair cross-section of the average Leeds fan. True, but they are the ones who, um, whose opinions might get through to our, our players who are trying to play without the weight of expectations, end up having the expectations of a lot of crackpots um, weighing on the shoulders. I don't have any expectations of them, <laughs> so I agree with you. Don't look so disappointed. <laughs> well, anyway, on to um, the win at Middlesbrough, which... Uh, has resulted ultimately in Strachan now leaving his post, this one hot off the press at the time that we're recording this, that he's no longer the manager there. Uh, it, it was a really good win against what is basically a misfiring or was a misfiring team. We looked very solid as well from the off, which was a very welcome change from what we've seen at Preston and things. So I don't know, Fai coming into the team seems to really help us in that respect. He really studied the midfield. Yeah, him. I thought he did. He, he's one of those players who, to use the old cliche, you don't realise what he's doing, but he does just... The water carrier then, if yeah. you like, yeah. So you don't need it carrying very far because he's, he's kind of limited <laughs> to where he plays on the pitch. But he's he's great. Yeah, he basically um, operates in a box, kind of about twenty meters each side of the centre circle, and he just stands in that little area the whole time. But it means they've always got someone there for a pass. You're never left exposed when your two central midfielders have both gone bombing forward to attack, which we which we get when we have like Johnson and Housen in the middle, because both of them are naturally kind of looking to get forward all the time. Um, so it, it did make the defence, I think, look better as a result of that. Obviously, it's hard to say exactly what what's changed the way the defence plays, but that's it. I'm sure that probably made it easier for them. There was a kid at my school, actually, when we used to uh, play football in games who never moved out of about a 20-metre uh, radius of the centre circle. Well, that's because he was really fat. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't as good as Andy Faye. Faye looked good, and I thought um, Watt looked good as well. I think it, um, his assist against Ipswich... Um, it was a good contribution after it came on the sub, and it, it's it's kind of um it ended up being a little bit annoying. Um, what that aspect of the Middlesbrough game that Grayson had finally made a couple of changes in terms of dropping Johnson for the first time this season, I think, and um, Gradle as well, who, who wasn't really impressing me much before uh, before the break, and they were both taken out, and then within half an hour. Johnson somehow managed to just weasel his way back onto the pitch again. <laughs> and then he was playing really well on, um, on Saturday, but it was the same with, with we finally had the back four that we wanted with George McCartney, who's a, obviously a quality left-back, and Connolly at right-back, and everything looked steady, and then still somehow Andy Hughes found a way of just <laughs> getting into the team. And it was, and I, I think I've mentioned Andy Hughes three times now, and I don't want to harp on him, but his it was his side that the... The cross came from from the goal. Um, remember, he's, not, not, he's not a fullback. Well, is exactly. Is the thing. But that's the annoying thing. Square pegs and all that. If we had, if we could just keep our fullbacks, there, I mean, I'd shove some paracetamol down George McCartney's neck and send the <laughs> sod, sod back out there. But um, but if when we have got our uh, our first choice defence or something close to it, we look a lot better. Um, and it could have been a two 0 win if we could only keep these people fit. Points to take out of the game then as well. Dirty Middlesbrough, where known for being dirty leads, which is a tag which I love. Dirty Middlesbrough, they just kicked us everywhere, didn't they? I mean, not all the time, but to lose three players to injury. All right, McCartney was a bit sick, but maybe somebody put something in his drink. And unpunished as well. Yeah. So Snodgrass got caught a couple of times quite early on. Yeah. Um, and no doubt there'll be no retrospective action because the referees deemed to have you know dealt with it at the time. Yeah. And all that. I mean, to injure Andy Faye is, is going some, because um, 
he doesn't look like he'd be hurt easily. I couldn't, I couldn't damage him in any any way, no matter how hard I tried. We'll have an injury update in the in the next part of the podcast, but just to point out those three from that game, uh, none of them trained on Monday as it is today that we're recording this podcast. So uh, maybe we'll spring one or two surprises. They might be in for the Leicester game, but well, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? Really. Other point from the game then, Luciano Becchio's absolute rocket. Slight deflection on it, which helps it into the net, but we don't care, do we? Nobody else seems bothered by it. I didn't even know it was deflected. It was deflected. Oh, there was there only go. one. Halfhausen's back, wasn't it? There was only one replay that showed it because he hit that ball so hard and so true <laughs> that uh, you needed um, the Hadron Collider to be able to detect that Housen had uh, got it back on his beautiful goal. It was like a torpedo. It was. It was and a then... torpedo that sank the Belgrano. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that he then. Uh, he then turned into a bit of a monster after that one with that curling shot that hit the post. And then I really enjoyed that because he, he shot from the left side, hit the right-hand post and then went running over to the other side of the pitch to get in the face of whoever was getting the um, the ball after the rebound. And um, yes, he doesn't... I'm, I'm wondering if um, if he secretly sort of doesn't really like David Sommer much because um, ever since he's been in the team, he seems to uh, really sparked into life. And um, I think that instant in the... First off, when Sommer didn't pass to him, yeah. and he's like, "Right, well, screw you! I'll score a fantastic volley, and then any anywhere within thirty yards, I've got the ball. I'm shooting and scoring." Or maybe it's a case that instead of having the likes of Trezor Candle and Enoch Schwumme, you know, for competition, he's now got some proper players like I thought the Becky and Schwumme uh, partnership deserved more of a chance. <laughs> But you know, he's got he's got painter breathing down his neck a little bit now, and uh, obviously McCormack's uh, itching to get off the bench. So it, it, you know, it keeps him on the toes. It's it's that uh, proverbial nice problem to have, isn't it, when you've got a, a load of strikers? Yeah, what always pleased me about this season is that the people like Becchio and Johnson, who keep getting written off quite often by us, it must be said after <laughs> after the bad games, then somehow do a keep lot of yeah, but a lot back. of our writing of, off of them is, is tongue in cheek, isn't it? You know, it is. But I mean, I have genuinely had concerns this year that Becchio isn't going to be good enough because in some games he's looked completely lost and then he, he does something like that and you think well maybe he's just taking a bit of time to get to grips with it and yeah. it was his overall game I think on Saturday because he was closing down he had the block just before the goal he closed down and almost created the goal or put the ball out wide to put the cross in it's man of the match and the yeah. commencement <laughs> of his um, of his burgeoning media career <laughs> did he actually swear then on national telly at, uh, he at did Greg? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. still on YouTube and it's still Fucking unbelievable! <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that whole sort of Manuel uh, broken Spanish mm. thing that let it slip under the radar, wasn't it? It was. Uh... I never heard him speak until the other week when he was. There was a clip of him on um, the official website. He was at a school doing the back of the bid stuff, and he's got a very incredibly deep voice. I was quite. I was quite <laughs> surprised by it. And he, he looked. Um, he looked to be really struggling with that interview as well as if he didn't want to be doing it at all because he's. Mm sticking his ear right into the interviewer and, and then sort of processing what they said and then just swearing like a like navvy. a navvy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think as well maybe he's going to improve as a player? Because I think he's probably started doing interviews and stuff now and maybe he's reached a point where his English is good enough that he can kind of communicate almost with his teammates better and that's going to make him a better player. He's going to gel easier because they can actually tell him what they want him to do and vice versa. He's yelling heads. <laughs> that's all he needs to do. <laughs> He's almost at the level of being a, a senior player in terms of who's been around um, for a while. He's not a new boy anymore. He's part of the furniture. And um, and I hope he, he becomes good enough this season. I don't see any reason why he can't score 15 goals. And um, combine 15 goals with his work rate, you'd struggle to replace him. It's always interesting. The Scratching Shed blog interviews um, 
fans of other teams before we play them every time and he always asks them who they would want from the Leeds side and they always say they'd either buy either Becchio or Snodgrass and um, give them a new contract don't let him go to Everton um, and on that point yeah the continued good form of, of David Sommer we're not really missing Beckford are we? As, we as we sort of touched on we're getting goals from different areas now looking a bit more balanced as a team let's get the boy signed up on a contract right now Am I right in thinking that at some point Sean Harvey has said they don't negotiate contracts at particular times of the season? I d- why not? Let's get him signed up. He's scoring goals. He's obviously got enough quality. And if Juventus scouts are coming to look at him, as we think they might be, let's not commit the same mistake again. He actually is amazingly good. I can't believe we've got him for free and that he didn't play at all last year. Like, There's nothing about his game that seems particularly weak. Like He's got a very good first touch. He can obviously finish. And I just I don't understand how we kept him hidden for so long, really. Uh, another quick note then on, on something I picked up on from the game was the improved form of Johnny House. And again, we've been critical of him and we've praised him as well in recent weeks on this podcast. I thought it, he had a, a better game this time. I thought he could, did get caught in possession a couple of times as he's prone to do him. But overall, his consistency seems to be better. Um, and he, he looked better in that midfield with someone like Fire alongside him sort of pull the strings and, and take maybe a little bit of expectation off his shoulders. He does. He was he's making kind of more bursting runs into the box now in the same way someone like Bo used to when he used to get quite a few goals for us. Whereas when he's in that midfield where there's no defined roles when someone's him and Johnson are both or Kim and Kilkenny are both kind of in that passy passy <laughs> don't do much in the middle it, they don't. I mean, they don't have a defined role. It it just ends up that no one's end, no one ends up really doing anything. Whereas it seemed that. You know, they both knew what they were doing on Saturday and, and it really worked. Well, first half against Preston, I thought he, he was playing really well. But come out of second half and he disappeared along with the rest of the side. <laughs> but he has got, he's getting better. He is improving and you can see that. He has looked a lot better than... He's, he's had more good games than bad games this season by a long way. And if I is going to help that, I suppose it gives him less to think about. He could just um, concentrate on his Zidane-like uh, abilities. <laughs> Let's talk now then about the news from the last fortnight. Quick injury update, first of all. We mentioned uh, McCartney, Wharton, Fire uh, hadn't trained on the Monday after the Middlesbrough game. Could be a bit of kidology again because uh, Grayson's a little prone to it, isn't he, in advance of midweek games. Not that we've done particularly well in any midweek games this year, but uh, nonetheless, we'll move on from that. Schmeichel obviously still out. Are we getting a little bit worried about that? What's going to happen? Is he, He's supposed to be knocking on the door, according to reports from some quarters, that he's going to be coming back in the next week or two. They reckon Leicester... Might be. I think it was um, Aidan White and whoever was with him at one of those Leeds on the Road events said last week, he said, Leicester game, he might have a have a chance. Let's not rush him back, I think, is the main thing. We don't want to rush mm. him back and break him. Exactly. Yeah. It would all have been Although fine. Although if he's injured, we might get to keep him. <laughs> it would have been fine if Higgs hadn't got injured as well. I mean, to to lose one keeper doing injuries, unfortunate. <laughs> to lose two, it's careless. <laughs> Three seems to be like a pattern forming, doesn't there? Yeah. I wonder what they're putting in the, the physio's tea up at, at Thorpe Arch. But an interesting point that was up on the official site, actually, sort of relating to that, um, was that Bates had spoken to Grayson, hadn't he, in advance of the 100th game uh, coming up, which was Middlesbrough, that um, they spoke about the pitches and maybe there's an issue with the pitches at Thorpe Arch, um, maybe being too firm and they need to relay them or look at... Uh, Could do it houses building on them. <laughs> we should have a word with the landlord see if there's any any scope for some improvements now then drop your cynicism but uh, we return to the point uh, is, is it perhaps that we are suffering impact injuries and, and stuff like that they need to look at what they're playing on I've no idea I mean Higgs got injured at Portman Road so 
maybe training all week at Thorpe Arch contributed to that but then Snodgrass was a mental tackle from a, a psychopath in Norway That's true. so it, it's not always it could just purely be shit luck or maybe just a left back area that's all about. <laughs> that's yeah. the crater. <laughs> that's where the rabbits were in the summer, yeah. <laughs> digging burrows underneath the left back position. <laughs> I should probably owe, uh, I owe Jason Brown an apology as well because in the previous podcast I, I didn't allow any talk of him because I said oh, I won't play, and there, he, and there he was. Yeah, he's quite a good game, didn't he? I thought it was. Uh, he's all right. It looks steady. He's quite a big unit. Solid unit, yeah. Yeah. Very the Borough the yeah. fans were taunting him a little bit, weren't they? But uh, yeah, he, he looks fairly competent. He did everything. You know, fairly calmly, which was there nice. There were no anchor the ball out of the back of the net. So, fat and short isn't normally what you look for in a keeper. I've still got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing in there that sort of made you worry in the way that you used to do when a, a cross would go over for uh, for Ankergrim, for example. No. You think, oh, is he going to get it? There's not, you know, it's none of those moments. You I often think that with new players, though. You often think they're all right, and then you see them a couple of games later and you start thinking, oh, shit. That's why we've I got him. This bastard. <laughs> Right, speaking of keepers as well, we've brought in, uh, I presume you pronounce this like the place, Ben Anik, Alnwick from Spurs, who actually, um, I was just reading up on him, he was subject to a £900,000 transfer, wasn't he, down to Spurs, was it from Sunderland? Mm. So he's actually supposed to be quite highly rated, but he's coming on a 28-day uh, emergency loan to possibly warm the bench. You must wonder how... Uh, Alan Martin must feel at Barrow. <laughs> Keep bringing in keepers and, <laughs> please bring me back. <laughs> Do you well, think it feels Grayson's lost his mobile number? <laughs> well, Grayson's mentioned it, and he said that he doesn't want him... He'd rather he was playing in the first team at Barrow than sitting on the bench at Leeds, which, until Higgs got injured, which was, was all he was going to be doing. And then I, I, was, I wonder if, because we got Brown in as cover for Higgs, he was told, obviously, you're not going to play unless Higgs get in, gets injured, and then he will be... It, what do you do with Brown if you then go and get Martin back from somewhere else? So you, you then have to, and you still don't want Martin just to sit on the bench. So you have to leave him in Barrow, and you have to go and get somebody from Tottenham who apparently got a reputation as a sex pest. And um, allegedly, could, could we possibly say allegedly? <laughs> that video was on the internet. Okay. Um, and, uh, Must be true. Though. And you just get caught up in a, in a, a nightmare of keepers. I mean, Grayson probably can't sleep what at night. What sex pest things he Sorry, this is. Um, yeah. He was he was part of um, there was a video just for the solicitors. That might be listening. There was a video of several Sunderland players um, when he was. With oh, that them. one. Yeah, they were in a hotel room having some fun with a, a young lady, and uh, recording a, ba- a game of backgammon. Break, was it? <laughs> it was a game of backgammon, and um, they're courting this lady. <laughs> the co- they seem to have moved beyond courting. And Ben Anik is uh, famous for um, he, the camera pans to his face at one point and he winks at the camera. Oh, it's going to be a star it's, then, isn't it? It's basically a, it's basically a bunch of. Sunderland youth team players watching a senior pro shag somebody. It's not. It's not tasteful. Moving on, is this um... <laughs> who's the senior pro? <laughs> I can't no, remember no. his name. Let's not get any pros. Let's leave. Let's move on. Talking about um, Martin at, at Barrow, is it is it that thing as well of keepers maturing later, perhaps, and they want him to get game time, get used to being in a team? You know, is he just thinking of Barrow and not want to upset them and keep their <laughs> who knows? Side? He has played a lot of games for Barrow over the last few seasons. But is, is, there, is there some truth in that, we think? We'd rather get him out, having game time for a few years. He's, he's, you know, he's going to be a good keeper, a good prospect, and maybe start phasing him in over the next sort of three years or something. I suspect we've sent him out because he's not very good. Yeah, and Grayson I'd, doesn't think he'll ever really play. I back my uh, And my there is, there's definitely merit in what you're saying, that sending keepers out on loan. <laughs> but I think the level we've sent him to, and the fact we've sent him back... Hmm. He was in League 2 last year, he's in conference this year. 
I just think Scottish under twenty one is a uh, is a bit of a red herring because uh, Scottish keepers generally, with David Harvey accepted, they don't have a good record. You think he's selling the uh, David Summer story to him? <laughs> Go out on loan. Look what happened to yeah. David. Come back. <laughs> Well, he's finally managed to convince Mike Greller that there's some merit in it, or rather he's found a... Mike Greller has found a club that he'll agree to lower himself to, to actually play for. <laughs> he's finally taken the hint, hasn't he? Yeah, after... I don't know the name of the player involved, but didn't Greller turn down Bradford? And then Bradford took a striker on loan We've from Carlisle. Jason Price, haven't they? Ah, oh, that guy. Tina Turner, I didn't realise yeah. he yeah. was the crucial element, so we've got him to thank. Yeah. Um, and then, mm. yeah, so he's... Uh, Grill has gone to Carlisle for a bit. Our other tribute side. Yes. Playing with Swindon. Johnny um, Mikulik. Just returning to the injuries front then, the long-awaited return of, of Ben Parker and, and Billy Painter now back playing in the reserves. Don't um, believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it could be fiction, couldn't it? That'd be really good to have him back, particularly as we, mm. again, have got no left-backs. It'd be nice to have one for at least a game or two. I would worry about um, Parker and the team, though, because I'll just be waiting for him to get hurt again. Mm. And um, I, I don't want to be present to watch him being stretched off. off yet again. It would break break my stony heart. Point we mentioned then, uh, Middlesbrough was Simon Grayson's 100th game in charge of, of Leeds. I've pulled some stats off about this. Uh, he's the first manager since Kevin Blackwell made it all the way to uh, to 114. Was it that many? 114 games in charge of the Mighty Whites. Uh, Grayson's record to date then is uh, 156, lost 24 and drawn 20. Is that a decent record, we That's think? brilliant. Yeah. Mm. I imagine that me. compares with the best. Funny you should mention it. <laughs> and it's on the sheet that's in front of us all. <laughs> you set him up, I'll slam him home. Uh, Don Revy's record, uh, just shy of 700 games, it was 699. These stats according to soccerbase.com, so it's their fault if any of this is wrong. His win percentage was 52, so it's comparing very well with that. His loss percentage, Don Revy, was 21. Um, so it's... You know, as, as near as damn it equal to that at the minute. Take this one against Howard Wilkinson, who won only 43% uh, of his games, which were 400 games, sorry, uh, and he lost 28% of those. Um, so Wilco, I mean, we know he went a bit mad towards the end, and he had that sort of purple patch between 89 and sort of 92, didn't he? And then the rest of it was... Uh, I mean, none of these are fair comparisons, are they? Because no. whereas Grayson's had to face Exeter, <laughs> Wilkinson had to face, you know, Liverpool... Yeah, but you can only Chelsea. beat what's put in front of you, can't you? And, and the fact that he, you know, we were back up for one season, finished, what was it, fourth, and then yeah. we won the thing. It's you should have not gone on to build on it. You know, that's Purple patches, perhaps yeah. underplaying the, <laughs> the achievement. <laughs> <laughs> Promotion, fourth, championship. No, I mean, not a purple bad. patch, but he had that run of really good form and then lost yeah. it after that, didn't he? Never quite well, regained uh, it. I don't know if he lost it completely. I, I wouldn't, a lot of that will be... The said the season we came seventeenth, but then after that we were back to fourth and fifth every season. So we were hardly, we were hardly struggling. We got back into Europe. Just saying, I happen to love. I don't Another only statistics. Well, I was going to say. I mean, how if um, if Grayson's the first manager to get a hundred games since Dennis Blackwell was sacked, how was Dennis Wise managed to get two hundred and nineteen in according to your statistics? Dennis Blackwell was that a deliberate spooner, spoonerism? <laughs> Did I say Dennis Blackwell? Yeah, Kevin well, Blackwell. Explain Dennis Wise's two hundred nineteen games to me, anyway. That is wrong. That's meant to be ninety nine. I've looked at that stat fairly recently because I'm a freak. <laughs> Was it just 99 games? I was going to say, how did, how did he get 219? So soccer based is wrong. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. 99. I'm, I'm also... Although that's according to Wikipedia, which is equally complete nonsense. So yeah. these are all made up. <laughs> <laughs> if 
if anybody would like to support the podcast with statistics, has, uh, and... been found out again. <laughs> well, it's got his win percentage as 51 and his loss percentage as 31. And the point I was going to sort of draw from that was that Wise, we actually did win quite a few games under him, assuming these statistics are in any way correct. We just got relegated to the third division. Yeah, uh, but his loss percentage was 31, which when you compare it to like Grayson, loss percentage of 24, the Dawn was 21. It's You can see where he started to go wrong, wasn't it? We, we lost too many games that we should have either drawn or maybe won. Anyway, moving on from the, uh, the Poison Dwarf. Talking of the Middlesbrough game, the return fixture on New Year's Day, uh, it's just been announced today, has been moved to a 1pm kickoff. Probably reasons of less drinking, I'm guessing. We've played them on New Year's Day before, haven't we? It's like probably unless Sky wants there. to change it into a five twenty kickoff, and then yeah, people yeah, can yeah. get as pissed as they want. Yeah. <laughs> have, a, have a nice fight, why not? Um, going back to the Borough game yet again, I guess um, nice to see so many Leeds fans uh, in attendance there for a, a, you know a later kickoff. I know it's just up the road; it's not too far. But the fact is, people, it's a world away though. <laughs> <laughs> people travel the length and breadth of the country, don't they, uh, to get to these games? And um, you know, there's a lot of people from down south who want to got home till very late on uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning. I sort of uh, got the figures for all the away games so far this season. We've sold them all out. Forest, 4,200. Watford, 2,200. 7,000 at Barnsley. Donny, 3,300. Ipswich, 3,000. And then 4,000 at Borough. It's like just shy of 24,000 over six games. 4,000 a time. Not bad, is it? Not bad at all. Ridiculously good. And we're likely to be the best supported club on the road, aren't we, this season in the whole country, I think, due to the way the allocations work. It's Premier League's 3,000, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, then Fulham... Take about sixteen of those tickets every week. It's, it's, it's a topsy turvy world that uh, football has become. Um, yeah, we're going to be taking another five thousand two hundred to Coventry. A uh, handful of tickets left there. Get them quick if you fancy going. If they haven't gone already, yeah. And uh, Scunthorpe also sold out. Another two thousand two hundred in their tiny little stadium. I've not got a ticket for that either. I messed up my applications. I forgot. And my application. Yeah, well, sorry about that. So if anyone's you, got any tickets, that's, that's you off my. Christmas <laughs> can't really tout for tickets. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah, you can. Yeah, two tickets, please. Yeah. Uh, but that is you off my Christmas card list, by the way, for not getting those applications in on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uncomfortable atmosphere suddenly <laughs> developed. Is that your elephant? <laughs> <laughs> As we mentioned just a little bit earlier on in the podcast then, Gordon Strachan uh, has just lost his job, left his job at Middlesbrough. This one hot off the presses. We're recording this uh, just on Monday evening in which it's just broken the news-wise that Strachan is no longer uh, Middlesbrough boss. And this section I'd rather wittily entitled Strachan, is he bananas? Famed for his banana and porridge consumption. Or maybe that was just a little a little lie as well. A little no, joke. it was all true. Okay. But yeah, that the post-match interview, he's, I mean, he's known for, for these... Uh, these bizarre outpourings, isn't he, in the, in the, in the post-match interviews. The man's undoubtedly a Leeds legend. You get a feeling sometimes he gets asked stupid questions, as you always do, don't you, in post-match interviews. So he's prone to giving stupid answers. But I actually put here in the notes, was Saturday the sign of a man on the brink? And he's gone off the edge of that particular cliff. Is, is he crackers? He's always been a bit, a bit like that. But I think the, the thing is, when you're doing all right and you give funny answers, it comes across as being witty but where, when you're kind of on the ropes and you, you're trying to do it you just do come across as a bit desperate and mental I think the, um, the, the dr- A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. 
The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Drinking and drug taking one. He's actually used that before, I'm sure, at Southampton when they said to how are you going to get all, get this defeat out of your system? He said, oh, well, I'm just going to go home and get drunk. So he's recycling his jokes, but in the context of Southampton where he's reasonably successful in Middlesbrough, where um, he's been sacked or, or resigned, whichever. But it does. This, I think the, the other problem is that the landscape of football managers is such a bland one that you don't really have to say very much for people like us to immediately start pointing the fingers and going, oh, it's crazy. It's like, well, actually, it's just because he doesn't trot out a lot of boring nonsense every single time. So it, it's a difficult line for a, somebody like him to walk. Well, he's clearly an intelligent man, and is it that thing that he just finds the whole process of post-match interviews inane because the questions are so benign, aren't they? And you know, how do you feel after that win? Are you upset with that defeat? That sort of thing. And, and it's like you know, these are ridiculous questions that are going to get the ridiculous answers that they deserve. That was true, and the one that got him into the the trouble last week when he said he was going to drink and take drugs. Listening to the full interview of the guy interviewing, trying to just keep the interview going, he had absolutely nothing um, of any interest to ask him. It was obviously going badly, and he just, he just did exactly that. He kept going, well, um, you've got to uh, look ahead to the next game, Gordon. And you could tell Gordon's just not interested in any of this, waiting for something to, to hold his attention. But yeah, the, if you're at the bottom of the league, you, you do just end up coming up as a, as a bit of an arse. I think for a, I can imagine if as a Middlesbrough fan, it maybe comes off as a bit blasé as well. If you've, you know, paid your money to watch another defeat, and then the manager doesn't seem to particularly care, uh, I can see that it would grate on you a bit. Is it fair to say that it's not that he doesn't necessarily care, but he's seen it all and kind of done it all as a player, and defeats and bad runs are part and parcel of football, but it's just that he's got a much sort of wider. I don't know, a scale, a wider frame of reference, and, and he, he, he finds it easier to sort of rationalise the defeats and the bad runs and stuff, and, and it doesn't really, you know, it's only a game deep down, and perhaps that's how he treats it a little bit, which does fly in the face of the fans' expectations, but he's kind of so grounded that he comes across as not caring. Maybe he has it from a from that point of view, though. If, he, if he's looking at it as a player, you're only one of 11 on the pitch, whereas as a manager, he's got to expect that the, the gaze will fall 
on him more regularly. So as a, as a player, you can have a bad run and get away with it, I suppose. But as a manager, that's not there's nowhere to hide. But I think from his point of view, and I, I agree with what you're saying. I think he's he is a he's a sort of person who, who keeps this kind of distance between himself and and what he's doing. He does look at it as a a job at the end of the day, and realizes that you know it's not like he's a um, a heart surgeon who's going to kill somebody if Middlesbrough don't beat Leeds United on the weekend and so his attitude is always yeah we lost I didn't do it on purpose I'll work hard this week and try and put it right what more do you want me to do I'm going home now to put my feet up and watch X Factor and watch X Factor <laughs> and and that's often not what you want but from the other from the other angle this is kind of unrelated in a way, but somebody posted up the old um, on Wacko the old interview with Kevin Blackwell after the QPR game, where he he took all the events that had happened that day so personally he could barely speak. <laughs> um, there's a there's a great moment in it where um, our he he made a, a brief return, but Tony Warner played his first game, and um, I can't remember who's interviewing, but they said, to, did, "Did you um how, how did you like Tony Tony Warner's performance? Who the goalkeeper?" Yeah, it was fine, right? <laughs> and it's just, and he's so he's so involved in um, in what he was trying to do that he ended up just it ate him up, didn't it? A little bit, I think. Yeah, all consumed. And you can be fairly confident with Gordon Strachan is that he walks away from this job tonight. I would be surprised if he gets another job as a manager. I think you probably have had enough now. I think that I think a media career because he's quite good at that side of things. He's he's always good for a, a bit of a clever quip, isn't he? So I think he's uh, he's certainly cut above. A lot of the ones that they have, or he may have end up in there. Scotland or something like that, you know, like a, 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 isn't that, a step down, maybe. Or. Isn't that the why he uh, walked away from Southampton to be with his, spend more time with his family? Pretty much, and it took about eighteen months out. Yeah, before he went back, he just couldn't he be bothered. Great, what yeah, about his family yeah. at Middlesbrough? All those Scottish lads he's got down yeah. to play for him. <laughs> I was thinking about. Them. I hope they're going to live with him now. Well, I think is it uh, Tom Kerwin who's put something on Twitter today saying that these are all players that Tony Mowbray managed to sell to him, um, so they won't be happy if Tony Mowbray then ends up uh, at Middlesbrough, which is a possibility, um, back in charge of them again. There was a funny thing with that because when I knew we were going to talk about Strachan today, I looked at um, his book Strachan Style that he wrote just before we won the league, and there's a lot in there about him um, that we'll, I think we're going to come on to about when he turned up. Ellen Road, and he bought into the Wilkinson revolution 100% completely. He said he, he, he gave him a new career and um, within he sort of went there thinking, oh, this will be interesting and I'll get really well paid. And within a week, he was all about the project and, and was about as into it as he could be. And he said that one of the reasons why Leeds United was so good at that time was because at the start of the season, Wilkinson, he said, I've got a load of money to spend and I'm going to buy the players I want because I know exactly what they'll do and I don't have to worry about it so I'll just buy the players I want and we'll all be in it together and we'll go up um, because I know these players will do it and I'm wondering if he's tried to do that at Middlesbrough uh, this season by buying all these players at the start of the season he's obviously picked out in the Scottish League as these are the players who can do it for me bring them down, mould a team and then just let them get on with it and um, he's failed laughably. <laughs> <laughs> it settles the argument of how Rangers or Celtic would do if they were allowed into the Premiership as well, <laughs> very badly. <laughs> do you think this Middlesbrough thing is just a sign that he's reached the limitation of his abilities as a manager? That He hit a point where he's got a set formula, 
it failed to work and he doesn't know, he doesn't have the plan B, he doesn't know how to change it. I think a lot of managers are guilty of that though as well. I mean, look at Capello, he's won absolutely everything and then you see England play and you think, why can he not see that four, four, that two, things two, need changing yeah. here? But then, you know, I've no doubt he's a better manager than I am. <laughs> he also has gone for a plan that is very difficult to change because he can't really do anything until January. Um, and having bought all these players, he can't really drop them. He's he's kind of once you make a, a, a move, so many moves in the transfer market at that kind of expense, you are a little bit screwed if it doesn't work out. There's, there's not as much room for a, for a, a plan B. But he's not a he's not been a bad manager. I mean, when he was managing Coventry, they were doing all right. Um, and then Southampton, he did pretty well. Celtic, I suppose he got a fifty fifty chance to start with. So. You kind of um, stacked in your favour a little bit. Yeah, and then Borough, it's just not happened at all, but he's not a, he's not a terrible manager. I did look at his, his stats. We're going to get back to silly percentages there of wins and things. But Celtic aside, he's fairly unremarkable. Though I'll compare him to Grayson and Blackpool. Grayson had like close to 37% win record, which Strachan's never really come close to matching anywhere but Celtic, which, like you say, at Celtic, you, you expect to win all but four of your games every season, that's a given. And then yeah. the other, those those are the four that kind of decide your season, is what's expected. So it's no wonder, really. He's never really taken an easy job, though, either, has he? I, mean, I don't know, it could, you could mm. say middle, the Middlesbrough job is easy. They've had money to mm. spend. Favourites for the division as well. He's, yeah. he's got a chairman who's very forgiving. He's notorious for letting people spend a lot of money without expecting anything back. So I'd say it's probably the easiest job in the championship in many well, ways. Well, yeah, the apart from living in Middlesbrough, <laughs> and that's the one he's screwed up. But the Coventry and Southampton jobs—he's never sort of had a team until he got to Celtic at the top. Coventry was a, a project that Ron Atkinson began, where he, he was going to remould them into I don't know the Crystal Palace of the, of the 21st century. He doesn't um, like the projects and. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if Ron Atkinson watches The Wire or if it just makes him angry. And um, and then Southampton, and then Southampton again, it was a team in the doldrums that he had to take up. And Celtic, I suppose he could... Well, so I'm sorry, I, don't, I don't buy into this, I'm sorry, no. I've got to disagree with you. He did take Coventry down. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he's a distinctly average manager. And, um, is, that, is that put paid to him ever coming to Leeds as manager now? Then? hope so. Because he was always seen as a... A dream ticket with yeah, him. We, we always felt oh, he's, he's got to come home one day. Yeah. But look, look, how Gary, we got Gary McAllister. But that's another point as well. McAllister's his assistant at Middlesbrough. Now Strachan's gone. I'm guessing McAllister's oh, jumped, jumped ship already. Gone to Villa. He knew, didn't he? He knew. <laughs> I think. I think they probably did. Rulier came in and said, "Do you want to come over here?" And he went, "Oh yeah." <laughs> you see, guys are over here. I've seen him drafting the paperwork again, showing my <laughs> massive knowledge and research there. So yeah, apologies for my stupidity. That will make it in. It will. I'll, 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 I'll leave that one in. You know, I know I, yes, I do do the edit, but now I'll leave that in. Uh, got to show him that I'm only human. Makes you wonder as well, doesn't it, which uh, sort of school of management he's, he has gone for? Because you do wonder. You, you speculated then, Moscow, that he might have uh, gone for the Wilco approach of uh, of getting his own players in, as you're saying, and formulating his own sides. You know, because he's worked under some, you know, league winning managers, Ferguson, Wilkinson. So maybe he, he fell should... out with Ferguson. He did, but he's, he's also seen his methods, and his methods have proved ultimately very mm. successful, haven't they? Apart and, from yeah, I saw him on the, um, the program Sky do the time of your life thing, and he he's rated Ferguson as the best manager he's worked under still. So as much as he fell out with him, he obviously still respects mm. him a great deal. He did throw Ferguson's tape off the coach, though. Apparently, 
you said that Ferguson used to play. I can't remember. Like a speech or something, wasn't it? A classical music or something bizarre. Yeah, I was thinking Curtis Steigers. <laughs> and um, yeah, and he said that quite recently. So if you're wondering who threw that threw that cassette off the bus, it, it, it was me. me. But having said that, probably one of our best signings. Well, that, he's just beating me to the question I was about to ask. Was he? Do you think he's, he's the, our best ever signing? What was it? Three hundred thousand pounds. All right, we shifted a lot in wages for him at the time. Didn't matter. Look what we got back. The architect of our revival, as well as uh, as, as Wilkinson, isn't he? Yeah. I looked at this. I, we're on a statistical bent tonight, and I, I was intrigued as to how many games. Because um, when Strachan was signed, there was he was thirty two. £300,000, a lot of money, and people were concerned that we'd signed him and he was over the hill. And then over the next um, three seasons, well, 88, 89, he played in 11 games out of the 11 that he could have played in. And then promotion season, he played all 53 matches we had that year, 18 goals, top scorer. Uh, first season back in Division 1, so now he's 33, 34, 52 out of 56 games he could have played in, 10 goals. And then the championship season, he played in 40 out of 46 Scored four goals, so 156 games out of 170 that we played in those um, three and a bit seasons, and the most successful seasons that we've had in well since the Reeve era. And for a 32-year-old to pitch up, who who plays 50 games a season at age 30? I mean, Arsene Wenger wouldn't sign him because he'd, <laughs> he'd say it wasn't worth it, and you'd never get anything out of him. And he got back into the Scotland squad that he'd fallen out with everybody there and he became an international again. So he was, he was playing in the national games during all this. We'll talk about the the Reevee-Bremner relationship because that was one of like um, father and son growing up through the, the Leeds United team. Mentioned earlier, Strachan just buying into what Wilkinson was doing. He was like Wilkinson's representative on the pitch in a way that you don't often, often get a combination like that that works so well. And we should never underrate his um, his achievements at Leeds United. Well, we asked um, the good people of Twitter to get in touch with us today about their memories of Strachan uh, as a player and some good responses, some interesting stuff. I made the mistake of uh, of saying, tell us your thoughts on Strachan, the player, the manager, Bananas, Porridge. And I got some literal answers about Bananas and Porridge, which I wasn't uh, necessarily hoping for. Yeah, a lot of the answers um, on Twitter sort of suggesting that he was a, a legendary player, but a, a very average manager, as, as we've sort of touched on. But some uh, some other good memories there to remember from uh, Gordon Strachan's time at Leeds. There's two um, memories of the the charity shield, uh, which was another ding dong match in the the, the theme of um, five twos and six fours. We beat Liverpool four three, and Strachan contributed a. Um, an on goal, Lilo Mans is also never forget his comedy on goal at Wembley '92. Um, and um, is it Johnny Cash said, uh, despite everything, uh, WGS, I believe that's Twitter speak for Wee Gordon Strachan, achieved. My main memory was him juggling the ball is between his legs before an OG, and it did just very slowly bounce off one heel, then the other heel, and then it just rolled over the line. And he looked, um, I think he just laughed it off because it's a charity shield, nobody cares. Am I misremembering this, or did? Phoenix, did they do a Phoenix from the Flames of him doing that? He was definitely know. on one of them. I've it was got a, a vague memory of it. It was a weird day. That was a game when um, uh, Cantona scored after Wallace did a one-two with the corner flag yeah. and then <laughs> crossed it to him. So everything was uh, just a, a slight correction because I've deleted it off the uh, off the form. That is, it's LU Americas who said that yes. uh, last point about WGS. We got and Strachan. 
but yes, uh, John Precious has picked up on the the fact that it was his uh, final straw. It's it's a little bit hard as the fact that Leeds have sort of put the final nail in his coffin. I'm sure um, he won't hold a grudge. I'm sure he won't. But he's, but he said hard job at Borough as their rubbish. <laughs> Leeds legend though. And Johnny Cash touched on the um, not Lee Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash seventy six on Twitter <laughs> um, touched on um, the worry with Strack is that he might be like Billy as a manager, not quite good enough. Maybe a good thing he's never been manager, which I think is basically what we were all all saying that we don't want him to hit back to. To ruin our nice memories of him. I think Lilo Man sums it up quite well, doesn't he, as well? Um, saying, try get, try get this in before he's sacked at the 5pm news conference. Well, we missed that one by a couple of hours. But uh, perhaps the finest ever recruit from our scum friends. It's between him and Johnny Giles. And um, I'd, I'd argue that Strachan probably takes it as one of only two players that's actually lifted a, a, a trophy in anger at Leeds United. Well, we wish him well. Um as long as he doesn't come and manage us anytime soon, I think. he'll be back somewhere. He'll, I'm not worried about him not not having a job. He'll uh, he'll he'll get a job on match of the day or something. I imagine we managed to get through it all without once mentioning his ginger mullet, <laughs> <laughs> which, in retrospect, was pretty special. Yeah, most ginger mullets are. <laughs> Right, let's turn our attention right now then to the games that are coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Before we speak to you uh, on the next podcast, we've got three in this uh, run of fixtures. Actually, we've got uh, tomorrow night's game against Leicester City. Uh, and then Monday the 25th, Cardiff City at home as well. That one's on Sky. And Saturday the 30th, Scunthorpe United away. Uh, we're going to be visiting Glanford Park. First up then, we've got a game coming up against Sven Joran Eriksson's Leicester are they going to be keen to make an impression for their new boss I saw Sven on the Football League show and well, should we quote getting... what you put in your email to me I've actually put it here on this particular piece of paper do you want to read it out can we give a mention to Sven coming in at Leicester saw him on the Football League show and couldn't help thinking what a mercenary twat he is <laughs> he just didn't seem bothered about being there they were kind of asking him oh, are, you, are you enthusiastic about the job are you looking forward to getting back and he was just going yes yes I'm looking to be Forward to being paid for yeah, many millions yeah. of pounds. He's just thinking, oh, well, yeah, money's, money's pretty good. He does seem to have this radar for, for clubs in, and teams in crisis that will pay a lot of money. Particularly when they've got tie back, as it would appear. Manchester yeah, City, yeah. And it, it's all just, it all seems to be more about fleecing gullible fans rather than getting a good manager. It's like, oh, if we get Sven, it'll look like we're really going forward as a club. Um, no matter that he's no good, but it, it's is it that is he name. no good though? Because you know he was he was was he not the league champions with Lazio the the season that we beat we went there and beat them. He's got he has got a good record pre England, but since then well. he has just kind of Done gone through places that will pay him a lot of money. Mm. Yeah. Although he's he's um, he has actually set about Leicester getting um, Curtis Davies and Carl Norton in online. Apparently he's signing Darius Vassell as well. On a free, fortunately too late for him to run it, Naylor and Collins. Um, he won't make it for that, but those are decent players. And so there, there is a... I'm not sure. I think there were decent players two or three years ago. Vassal's only 30, which I was amazed about. No, but he's been sat in a Turkey <laughs> hotel room writing his blog. <laughs> yeah, it's not gone, not gone well for him. But um, but Vassal will be the kind of player who will come in, he'll probably score a hat-trick on his opening game, and then he'll just, his wages will just drain all the money out of Leicester for the next season and a half. And, um, and then we'll get relegated. From our point of view, though, what what do we want from this game? Are we looking for us to a get over this midweek hoodoo and start turning it on when we've got a, a Tuesday game, and obviously correct the uh, the League Cup defeat from earlier in the season? I'd like us to keep a clean sheet. 
We saw them in the League Cup and they weren't very good. It was another game where we gifted them goals. That's like, I've got a bit worried about Howard because we don't seem to defend that well against that sort of big, beefy striker. Um, we need someone to let Bob Moll on our back to just kick the <laughs> shit out of him a little bit. Um, but they, they didn't really look that good earlier in the season and we could have easily won that game. You wonder as well what Sven's sort of motivational uh, prowess is like, don't you? Whether, Printing you know, mini statements, waving <laughs> it around the, the dressing room. He doesn't seem like the sort of guy to go in there and, and bellow and shout. He seems more of a kind of... Uh, Give you a little arm round you. I'm not talking about the girls here. I'm talking about footballers. You know, send them out. You know, play your game. That sort of thing. Is that what they need, or do they need a bit of a, a bit of a G up at Leicester? Do we think? I'm not sure because he his record in the, in his early career he was managing smaller teams, but since then he's uh, he's mainly been at quite big clubs. So maybe he's, he's used to working with players of a slightly higher ability or international teams, I suppose, which is a different different setup altogether. But so, not scouting. Let's hope he fails. Well. <laughs> I'd forgotten about Notts County. Yeah, and I read that he he actually um, waived his contracts when he left Notts County in order for that guy to take over. He didn't get paid off. But I think he realised that he'd been led somewhat a merry dance, hadn't he, so. up, up the garden path? If I can throw any more cliches. <laughs> <laughs> but what? And he shook on a deal to go um, manage someone else a couple of weeks before he joined Leicester. That was another. Um, thing I, read I don't know. He was always quite proud of the fact that he was never the sort to break contracts, wasn't he? So mm. I don't know. Well, why would you break them when if it gets it's broken for you, you earn several million pounds? Uh, moving on to the, the next game in this run then, the Cardiff City match uh, home on Monday the 25th. Is Craig Bellamy going to tear us a new arsehole live on Sky TV? Probably. It's certainly a worry. I think Cardiff are the heavyweights of this league, really, when you look at their their squad. Other than them and maybe QPR as it's emerged now, um, you kind of expect that you might be able to get points from anyone, but... I don't know. I can't see it. Do you think Grayson's got the nous, the tactical nous, to stop us supplying him? That's the thing, isn't it? It's cut off the supply. Get a chopper in. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wouldn't mind us losing if we break both Bellamy's legs. Yeah, I would go mm. for that. Is that a fair trade-off? That yeah. would be yeah. a result I'm looking for, especially with being on telly. Can, we, can, can we get Candor back on loan? <laughs> <laughs> to just assault him? Just stick him on in the 94th minute. Yeah. <laughs> you never know, dear. We, stranger things have happened, but I, I'm quite worried. I mean, we have had that kind of season where I can imagine us conceding six to Preston and then battering Cardiff and QPR when they when they turn up, and probably the week after we'll go to Scunthorpe and lose. So, but um, yeah, the expectation's got to be it's going to be a bit of a a bit of a a bit of a nightmare. Well, Bellamy aside, are Cardiff that good? Are they Stephen they... McPhail, the new Cruyff? Are they? Are, are they that good? Are they? Are they head and shoulders above the rest of this division? It seems that QPR are going to. Run, run away with this as we obviously did in League One last year, but you know with, with Warnock behind them, I don't think there's going to be any foot off the pedal stuff there. Cardiff are a few points behind them. Clearly got a good squad, but are they that good? I mean, you know, you had Forest who were promotion contenders last year, and we did all right against them. Well, they failed at the last hurdle, haven't they, in the last few seasons? So I think they'd be hoping to get a bit further and get promoted this season. Think, when so, we compared them to QPR, I think they are like. A, a shit version of QPR. I mean, Warnock seems to have completely worked everything out there, um, so that they shouldn't have any any trouble. Whereas um, you don't get that feeling with Cardiff, even though they signed Bellamy, he got injured for a bit, and they're not they're not motoring on in the way that, um, that QPR are. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm just looking at their squad though: Bothroyd, Kumas, Bellamy. That's the thing. Individually, you look at their. If you're listing the best players in the Championship, they've got several of them. McPhail Whittingham 
they've, they've got a good, they've got a very good team. There's but no denying. Let, let's look at it another way. This season's been unpredictable so far. That's the sort of game that we'll we'll go and and win. You know, in a really tight one nil or something. And then you move on to the should win in quotes against Scunthorpe. I mean, what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> you know, no, he knocks you on me either to rescue us this time. But do you know what I mean? It's such a, a flip floppy season, isn't it? We're not quite sure what's going to come from which game. You know, which leads is going to turn up. It would be nice to have a run of um, some consistency, so we could, so that we could come to this part of the podcast and say with any sort of certainty whatsoever what might happen. But it has just been the kind of season what we're in, like eleven games now, where we're still we're still not really know from game to game how it's going to be. And Bands absolutely destroyed us, and I don't think they've won since. Well, nobody ever does, do they? They've been yeah. Leeds, and then they crap the week after. It was the same in League One, wasn't it? Exactly. So it just shows that. Unpredictable nature for it all, really. So I don't know why we're bothering. <laughs> should just turn it off now and go home. <clears throat> it's an interesting run of games. Yeah, we, we should win against Scunthorpe, but we said that again about the Preston game. I, re- I remember you, Moscow, in particular, being very dismissive in the last podcast. Well, about... I, can't, I don't like Preston. I don't care for Preston. I mean, look at their badge, that lamb with a, a crook. It just freaks me out. A lamb with a halo. It's not right. So what Cardiff fans would say. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit more comfortable with. Uh, with with Leicester with their fox and I don't know what Cardiff's logo is at the moment. Bluebirds, bluebirds, of course. It's a blue. Well, everybody likes bluebirds, and then um, Scunthorpe United have got that big fist with a hammer in it, which is a good Soviet-style club badge. So on that basis, I'm much happier. Let's leave the point about the fist right where it is. Um, I was just going to say it's a piece of iron <laughs> rather than a hammer. I think. Well, it's even more uh, even more work. Either way, it'll still cause severe damage. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist, could you? No. Nope. Moving on then from those, we'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens in in those particular games, obviously, and digest it all with merriment in a couple of weeks. Um, other stuff to deal with then. There's a new book out, Leeds United on this day, full of uh, facts, figures, and interesting moments in Leeds United's history. Uh, it's by Joe Mewis. We've seen excerpts from it in the Squareball magazine. If you get that, and we have a copy of it to give away for you right now. We won't ask any pointless, mindless questions. Just uh, if you want to be in with a chance to win that. Uh, just drop us a direct message on Twitter. That's uh, tweet us at the square ball or drop an email to podcast at the square net. All we need is your name and your address. We'll pick one at random and we will furnish you with a copy of Leeds United on this day. And speaking of the magazine, uh, issue three of it out now, brand new issue, features Lucas Radabay on the cover. It's got the interview with him as well. Um, and there is a pull out poster designed by our good friend over at thebeatinggeneration.co.uk. Uh, you can see previews of it online. A bit of an African theme running throughout this issue, including our Norwegian columnist Sven's story of one player that happened to get away for Leeds United, which is interesting. I never knew about that, actually. Um, a player who featured in the World Cup this summer. As well as that Lucas interview in the magazine, then Moscow, your uh, your content uh, in there, you've got uh, Leeds United's connections to Africa. That's a, a good, interesting article. I enjoyed that. Well, there's, um, yeah, I mean, Albert Johansson's the obvious player that everybody thinks of, but um, he was actually predated at... Um, Ellen Drow by uh, Jerry Francis, who's um, only the second black South African um, to play football in England. And um, ever since then, we had obviously Phil Singer turned up um, at the same time as Lucas Radderby and um, and just the, the African players who have had any sort of connection to Leeds, including um, controversially American um, QPR forward Roy Wegerly. But <laughs> it makes sense when you read it. 
So have a look out for that. Um, just mention Albert Johansson as well. Something we mentioned in a previous podcast was the LU Americas meet that was happening uh, in Atlanta, that Albert Johansson's daughter has actually turned up to the meeting that they had, uh, I think it was last Saturday, and uh, this has come from a tweet from LU Americas as well and said that they were in awe at the number of Leeds fans that were, were in attendance in Atlanta. So we are indeed all over the world, aren't we? Uh, also in that magazine that is out in the minute, issue three, Moscow, your 2001-2002 uh, article. We've got all the way from 1989-90 up to the, uh, not far off the present day, nine uh, nine years ago, eight years ago. So uh, It only feels like yesterday. It, it's, it's the article of the year when we were sort of teetering on the precipice before it all went wrong, isn't it? Well, it's the first part of it, It's because it's because um, I tend to go on a bit, it has run over two issues, but I've just got the, the proof here and... There's Peter Ridsdale's fat face, and um, there's his. Uh, um, actually, as research, I watched Peter Ridsdale's DVD. Um, yeah, was that My Leeds United? My Leeds United. Unhealthy interest in buses. He had as a, as a small boy, um, and so yeah, it takes us up to. Um, I can't remember if you cut it off before or after the trial started. So this sounds horribly unprofessional. I think it's the, it's the trial. The, tri- <laughs> the trial had uh, just ended, but it was about to come. Taunting. Top of the league, we were no, top the, of the league. And then the backlash began, didn't it? And in fact, it probably leads us up to about when we lost to Cardiff in the FA Cup, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's um, that's the next. That's the start of the next part, which is all oh, the irony. Yeah, the perfect piece of timing. How topical. Um, also in there, Oddy, your uh, your slightly more light-hearted fireworks guide. Obviously, we've got bonfire night on the way here in the UK. So uh, yeah, well, we've got Sven Sven's. Uh, and Moscow's very articulate, noteworthy pieces, and I've just filled two pages with a lot of nonsense. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, isn't it? There's a pretty picture of some fireworks in there, anyway. And, and Georgie Thompson. Yeah, we've got <clears throat> shoehorn some more Georgie Thompson in, just because we can, really. Uh, also in there, Michael, uh, we've got the, the last word column. We finally got the, the, the opinion piece from one of the Kaiser Chiefs, Simon Ricks. Almost as if we meant to wait for the, uh, the Lucas ones. We could have it all in one issue. But, um, yeah, if you're used to kind of bland pieces by celebrities this is nothing like one it's actually <laughs> very opinionated i think we were all a bit shocked when we got it through we thought uh, oh brilliant it's like he's been with us for years <laughs> yeah he's quite angry about some things which is nice yeah if you want to hear from him if one you... thing i think he's really angry with yeah uh mr chairman uh if you um if you want to hear from uh, simon ricks as well he's on one of our previous podcasts so dig through the archives and and you seek and you will find in their Steve Firth cycle as well, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's just a bit about Dom Reavy, how he was um, his kind of flawed genius and his um, his own. Like we were mentioning Strack and not really worrying about things. More how things with Dom Reavy, it kind of was all consuming with him, and he became very uh, paranoid and anxious about about everything, despite being actually quite a brilliant man. And he sort of transferred it all onto his players as well, didn't he? Yeah, and there's a new book coming out about um, about Reavy as well by the same people as uh, who've done the Redibi one, which has got a bit of new insight from uh, from his family and things. So, which I'm sure we'll be looking at in a, a future issue of the magazine. Yeah, definitely. If you want to get hold of the magazine, it's always on sale at Home Games, and you can also buy it at any time of the day or night at thesquareball.net forward slash shop. Uh, the online shop also offers a digital download option where you'll have the uh, PDF of the magazine delivered straight to your computer and uh, the PDF version is normally available 24 hours before the print copy goes on sale at the games as well and of course the beauty is there's no postage costs involved in getting the uh, the digital download version of it as well you can get um, subscriptions for this season including all this season's issues uh, via the squareball.net forward slash shop also means you don't have to look at mine or Oddie's face whilst buying the magazine which is probably a benefit for some people it's the highlight of it for me <laughs> And if that's all for this time, we will say farewell. So goodbye from me and Michael Normanton. 
Bye bye. Moscow White. Bye bye. And Oddie. Bye bye. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. That's around the week of the first of November, unless we decide to take a random unscheduled break from our uh, from our recording. But in that game, all being well, we'll be previewing three matches. That'll be Coventry away, Hull City at home, Big Yorkshire Derby, and we'll be welcoming uh, the Yokels from Bristol City up to Leeds. Don't forget to get in touch with us. You can uh, reach us via email. It's podcast at thesquareball.net. Also, look for us on Facebook and you can tweet us at The Square Ball as well. Thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you again next time. The Square Ball Podcast. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.